welcome travelers of the multiverse as Fantastic Geek Chronicles What If on Disney Plus. We're the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the Dairy Queen variant of Pete. How about a Butterfinger Blizzard, Pete? Well, I have hired worse. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for What If episode 102. What if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? Is brought to you by Captain Genocide. He gardens now. Pete, in Marvel news, we got a new Eternals trailer this week. Uh, Bad guys better spelled out. Character motivations more clear and so forth. Uh, And it looks resplendent. And of course, Pete, uh, Disney marketing doing uh, the right thing, the obvious thing. And uh, making sure that we are all very clear that this is directed by Oscar winner Chloe Zhao. I mean, the first trailer was decent, but underwhelming. And apart from, you know, hey, now that Iron Man is gone and Captain America is gone, who will fill the void? And now the stakes are completely spelled out in this full trailer as as well they should be and connected to that there's insider buzz that the the release experiment if you will of shang chi that's going to be theatrical only we discussed that last week uh the buzz is that depending on how shang chi goes will determine what gets done with eternals uh whether that's another day and date premiere access or not uh currently eternals is theatrical only but it's been conspicuous that like free guy and shang chi are theatrical and there kind of hasn't been announcements after that uh pete this even as hollywood is increasingly vacating theatrical only releases for the fall where do you think eternals will land i think like shang chi they will have very small theatrical windows and then oh hey look week three now available Disney Plus Premiere Access. That is an interesting way to split the baby. I don't know how I I don't know how I will feel about that, but I feel as somebody who's going to be seeing Shang Chi at home, I'll take the full thirty buck charge two weeks after theatrical or whatever it might be. Pete connected to all of this is the lack of a Spider Man No Way Home trailer in part because Sony and Disney are not sure what the heck is going on for theatrical releases in December. So you're saying the online scoopers, air quotes there, who are again saying that there will totally be a Spider-Man No Way Home trailer on Monday, August 23rd, are wrong yet again? Um, I, yes, and I, you know... Clearly, the best buzz right now is, oh, it's going to be connected to Shang-Chi, and I think that's a good bet. But it's not a good bet through the lens of, legitimately, the two studios might not have a solid plan, even in a week where Sony has sold off some fall stuff to to Amazon, to streaming, to, you know, be able to rent, blah, 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 the, a whole variety of options. Um, I don't want to say it's, you know, kind of panic on the bridge kind of stuff, but look, having a trailer that miscommunicates what will ultimately be done is not a good move right now. So sometimes Pete saying nothing is the the thing to say. Speaking of saying nothing. Uh, Yes, Pete. uh, Clark Gregg 
heavily suggested on an Instagram story that he was in England, and just in the last day this was up, uh, that he was in England for Elizabeth Henstridge's wedding. No one seems to have picked up on that. There's no comicbook.com story. There's no this, there's no that. Um, I sent the screenshot of the Instagram story to you. I think those screen. I think the story is probably going to get taken down if he has uh, spilled the beans. Because I checked, you know, other Shield fam Instagrams. It's not like they're getting on the plane for London and so on and so forth. So, uh, what's going on there, Pete? Well, I mean, Elizabeth Henstridge and her fiance just bought a home in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Secret Invasion, getting ready to film in Atlanta, Georgia. Clark Gregg taking pictures somewhere. I don't know, Matt. What is going on? Well, for the house buy thing, here's my take. Atlanta is halfway between London and L.A. in a real estate market that's better than New York. So it kind of gives her flexibility for... Uh, L.A., Atlanta, So wait, New buying York. a home in a place where movies and TV are filmed um, and doing a uh, emoji to a question on Instagram isn't hardcore confirmation either way? <laughs> no, it is most certainly not. And again, I mean, let's say, Pete, let's say that this wet the wedding bells do ring this weekend and she gets married in England. To me that'll only be more evidence that her and her uh, future husband want to find somewhere to settle down that will be conducive to her career. Let's not forget uh Pete forget. I don't know that we've discussed it on the podcast, but her forthcoming Apple TV Plus show Suspicion of which she's not the star, Uma Thurman is the star, but of which Elizabeth Henstridge is a member of the cast. Uh, most of that was shot in England. So I legitimately could see her going, uh, I was fresh off the apple cart in L.A. I get this job for seven seasons for S.H.I.E.L.D., blah, blah, blah. First one after S.H.I.E.L.D. to book a job with, you know, high-profile Apple TV, blah, blah, blah. I have to go all the way back to the U.K. I'm telling you, Pete, it feels like an Atlanta home is a place where she's not going to be mobbed by people, where it's not going to be paparazzo. It's a, it seems like it's a good waypoint to go to jobs. Um, but time will tell. And to bring it back to what if Matt uh, news the past couple days that season two could feature episodes that directly linked to yet unreleased phase four films, speculation, uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. There may be a what if spinoff from that. Uh, I mean, Pete... Like we used to say for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast all the time, hashtag it's all connected. So uh, that excites me, but does not surprise me. And we catch you up on what went down. On the abandoned planet Morag, a helmeted figure attempts to steal the orb containing the Power Stone when Korath orders him to drop it and identify himself. The ordinary junker removes his helmet and is recognized as the Star-Lord legendary outlaw who steals from the powerful and gives to the powerless. It's not an official title, though, so no bowing or kneeling is necessary. 
classic Star-Lord. Korath almost wishes he wouldn't have to take the orb back from him, but his boss, Ronan, is super, super intense. He could be convinced to make a career change, although Star-Lord is all staffed up. But at least he gets to spar with the Star-Lord. Korath manages to hit his face, which he apologizes for, but that is why they're there. Star-Lord dodges a few more punches before Korath hits the orb's containment field, knocking him unconscious. Star-Lord makes quick work of the other two goons. Outside, the Ravenger with Korath over his shoulder is confronted by more soldiers, but a Ravager never flies solo twice. Yandu Odanta eliminates them with his whistle arrow and checks out the orb, which they would have sold to the highest bidder in the old days, but instead they will use it to jumpstart the pink-skinned Krylorian's dying star and save their system from extinction. After all, no treasure is worth as much as the good that can be done with it. That's Yandu's boy. Though his destiny might lie in the stars, the beginning of Star-Lord's journey was much more down to Earth. Wakanda, 1988, T'Challa is tired of living in a bubble, but his father, King T'Chaka, says a world of war, violence, and hatred has nothing to offer their secret kingdom. At night, T'Challa throws a spear through the protective dome and chases it outside where a Ravenger spacecraft arrives to abduct the spawn of the celestial ego. But in this universe, Yondu outsourced the assignment to his subordinates and the morons grab the wrong child. All humans look alike to Taserface. It was the Vibranium that led the Ravengers to Wakanda. T'Challa was exploring the world, but why stop at one world? 20 years later, the Ravagers rebel, and the newly recruited Korath asks what their favorite heist is. But even the mad titan Thanos is big enough to admit he's wrong since T'Challa showed him more than one way to reallocate the universe's resources although he still thinks his plan had merit, and they're pretty sure it's still genocide. At the bar, Drax tells T'Challa his money is no good there, because they only take cash. He recognizes the Star-Lord who saved his world from a Kree invasion. He takes a lousy picture of T'Challa to send to his wife and daughter, but he looks pretty good from where Nebula is standing. She asks if her father, who T'Challa says gardens now, knows that he has the orb. But she says the past doesn't change as evidence of his heritage around his neck. When he was young, Yandu attempted to return him to Wakanda, but it had been destroyed in another senseless war. He lost his home, and now he saves everyone else's. Does she have a job for him? They're called the Embers of Genesis, nutrient-rich cosmic dust from an ancient supernova with the power to terraform entire ecosystems. With one ounce, you can heal an entire planet within minutes. With this payload, 
they could feed billions on millions of worlds. Don't tell Captain Genocide. The Mark is Tanelir Tavon, also known as the Collector, who saw an opening when Thanos went straight. Yondu doesn't want to rob such a ruthless target. Uh, though their Robin Leech <clears throat> hood racket is the way they live. T'Challa says they've been picking pockets. If they truly want to affect change, it's time they rob the bank. Yandu's never been any good at saying no to him. At the nowhere mining colony made out of the severed head of an ancient celestial being, the Black Order now does security. Lady Nebula is going to knock on the front door, posing as a seller with Yandu of the orb. But really, T'Challa will be inside. Thanos and Korath will cause the distraction. T'Challa finds and frees Howard the Duck, who gives him the tour. Proxima Midnight realizes the Ravager diversion and sounds the alarm to lock down the complex. T'Challa's necklace glows and activates a ship which contains a message by his father about his abduction and provides a homing beacon vowing to search for him. Nebula double crosses him to settle a score. The Collector has T'Challa in a cage but Nebula frees the Ravagers which was always the plan. This triple cross was classic Star-Lord all along, and now Nebula has the Embers of Genesis. T'Challa breaks out, but Ebony Maw uses his magic on him before the Collector's servant, Karina, a Krylorian, saves him. The Collector catches up and punches him with Korg's severed arm there's several other trinkets from throughout the Marvel universes that we know, like a dagger from the Ruler of the Dark Elves, Captain America's shield, even the Necro sword and helmet, courtesy of the Asgardian Goddess of Death. Thanos buys time for others uh, to get to their ship. Yondu goes back for T'Challa, as does Nebula for her father, using the Embers of Genesis. Uh, they take the bracelet off the Collector and cage him. Karina frees all of the Collector's prisoners, who take a little karma out on him. T'Challa and Yondu escape in the Wakandan ship. They'll meet Nebula at the rendezvous point, which is Wakanda where they reunite with royalty. At a Dairy Queen, Peter Quill mops up as his father, Ego, arrives. With this divergence to the timeline having occurred, let's talk about what's changed and would we keep the changes. First thing, Pete, this kind of a behind-the-scenes change here, okay? This week, we're podcasting an animated series that's part of a legacy IP, and this week's story involves a collector and voice actor Fred Tataskiuri. What universe are we in? I don't know. Because um, Fred Tataskiuri, of course, a cast member for Star Trek Lower Decks... Um, and both episodes this week 
uh, Lower Decks 202 and What If 102 both involve a collector being the bad guy. And I'm watching this on Thursday, the day that Lower Decks came out, saying there's something very strange going on here in our universe where we're getting collector animated legacy IP stories within uh, 24 hours of each other. I mean, it's it's all connected across <laughs> other universes. Who was uh, Tadis Gori playing in uh, What If? Uh, he was Drax as well uh-huh. as uh, one of the, I just had it before, as well as Corvus Glaive. So much was made that Dave Bautista does not voice Drax. I think we talked about it in our What If season one preview um he took to twitter he was actually asked why he was not playing drax his response was he was never asked my speculation was it wasn't a big enough part that they would even go to him and hey you're going to be a bartender here uh you know do you even want to do it um and now we have this divergence across uh two completely different um intellectual properties so yeah uh good going for fred tadascori and indeed pete in the last couple days uh what if series director brian andrews has said that he andrews believed that every mcu actor who had a character appearing in what if was asked either directly or via their agents um so is there a bit of an out there where he believes it and maybe that was not the case for whatever reason. Uh, I don't know. But Pete, what are your thoughts? And please answer, answer literally. Was Dave Batista's camp asked for him to voice this role? I have no idea. <laughs> I would hope. But, you know, knowing enough, covering this stuff, sometimes one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. Um, sticking within the story here, will we see more of Ego and Peter Quill this season next season ever it feels like now that we know uh the stakes of the eternals that there'll be some more celestial stuff going on i mean nowhere ego at the end as a celestial also peter as half celestial um i don't feel they'll return to it this season and it's like the watcher throws out there maybe a story for another time. I mean, can we agree that T'Challa and Chadwick Boseman are the best Star Lord? Well, and that, yes, we can agree on that. And also, coming off of last week's What If, which, um, you know, I had said, I had said in last week's podcast, to me, the story was just. A copy-paste, you know, take out Steve Rogers, put in uh, put in Agent Carter, and that was kind of the shape of the story. Yes, there were some fine details that changed, but by and large, it was the story of Captain America, the first Avenger. This, in 35 minutes, this was a completely new story um, with multiple major divergent uh, d- divergence points. Um just to fantastic effect. I mean, to get all these characters back, 
to get all these actors back, I mean, is this the greatest voice cast ever assembled for a half hour of animation? Every character that you see is voiced by their film counterpart with the exception of, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, uh, Drax, Corvus Glaive, and Peter Quill. Otherwise, it's it's everybody. It's, it's, it's insane. And for this to be the second episode and the one dedicated to, uh, you know, who the producers refer to as their friend, their inspiration, their hero, and Chadwick Boseman, this was a special, special entry into this series. It, I mean, it, it, it really was. And, you know... Uh, one wonders were any changes were any substantive changes made after the the loss of Chadwick Boseman obviously not with what he had recorded um but not knowing that one way or the other I mean this is a phenomenal story part of the conceit of what if in the comics is you get done with that one issue or or in some more recent cases it might be a multi-issue thing but you kind of get done and you go Oh my goodness, that felt like a that felt like a twelve issue arc we just went on. Oh wait, it was just one comic. It was it kind of had that that power, um, and it was fantastic. Speaking of that relationship from the comic to the show and so forth, are we are we watching these episodes? Are we grading these episodes on a strict what if only one thing changed curve? Uh, for example. Is T'Challa as Star-Lord, is that solely the thing that turned Thanos to be good, which in turn saved Drax's family from getting killed, while also impacted Nebula to keep slash have blonde hair? I I guess? <laughs> I, I, I kind of do like that... I like that that is a likely conclusion, but it's not necessarily... I mean, it certainly is the conceit, you know, like we ask the question, what if? Um, but but again, unlike the first episode where clearly because Peggy Carter stays in the room, there's this cascade of changes. I don't know that I buy that, uh, for example, that the collector is more buff now than he appeared in the movies. You know, like I, I think there's a certain point we go, oh, well, that's just animation. That's not or, right. or, 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 or things like that or. So how is it in in the twenty odd years that um, T'Challa was Star Lord? How did that impact the Collector to get Captain America's shield? Could it be spelled out in the story? Absolutely. Do I need to buy that everything is just on this one change, and then every every other change that we see from there is because of the one thing? I I don't know that that's in the spirit of this episode. Or I don't know if that's in the execution of this episode, even if it is in the spirit. I mean, it's the ripple effect of that, that this collector filled the power vacuum left by Thanos and how uh, great a change that is that Brolin voices this here this uh, villain that uh, you know, for the course of seven years with the Marvel Cinematic Universe was setting events into motion um, flips to the other side and that it's accepted that it's just like, well, you know, he decided against this because 
uh, this regal prince uh, with a wonderful heart managed to change his mind. And that I think, like you talk about the legacy of Chadwick Boseman, there's an underlying idea that he was the one to put Thanos on the straight and narrow. Yes, and I will say with, with uh, you know, tongue firmly implanted in cheek, uh, maybe the most fictional thing in this episode is that somebody as polarized, polarized as Thanos could be convinced by uh, an argument that uses evidence and clear logic. <laughs> um, but uh, Pete, sticking with Chadwick Boseman, um, in a better universe where we still had Chadwick Boseman with us, um, would the Dairy Queen scene have been written to be a secret scene, do you think? I know that that's to go from the highest highs to the lowest lows, but we're talking about this episode. We're, we're inferring about the production of this episode. Was this a secret scene that got that would not have been well-placed after the on-screen text and the, the solemn music uh, for the credits? Um, no, I think it'd still be there. I was kind of surprised that they didn't go right from uh, that coda in Wakanda right to the dedication. Um, but again, it, it's a choice. And will we return to that? Who knows? I mean, the, the blessing of this episode is more Chadwick Boseman. What other thoughts do you have about this divergence in the timeline? I mean, that the collector somehow murdered Hela and got her helmet and and can use these weapons. I mean, that's a heck of a change. That is. I you know, Thor's hammer was there as well, and I know yep. there was a little discussion online. Well, could somebody who's not worthy get move the hammer? Oh, well, maybe if when you're wearing Hela's thing, then you can How about like it is what it is. It's Nobody lifted there. it. It was there. For all we know, Thor put it there. Yeah, like like the, there's. I think sometimes people. What's the opposite of a straw man? Like sometimes people invent a story wall to say like, oh, you can't get around it. You can't get around it. As opposed to plot armor. Yeah, like 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 sh- sure. How about the? How about this? It's there. It's super impressive that it's there, and it speaks to some untold story. Whether it's set up for another episode or just something in our minds you know (laughs) this bad guy defeat a really powerful good guy who has a really really powerful weapon it makes the bad guy more bad that's the effect let's check now for some messages from the multiverse we go to our twitter poll pete too much emotion to give this a 4321 count on twitter so uh we're wondering what you liked best about this story um 11.4% said the postscript, 5.7% said taming a titan, 37% said return of the king, and then 45.7%, let's just call that 46, uh said ravagers for good. Some comments that we uh that we got as well. <laughs> what of it question mark? That's uh at KCLYLE1 said great episode, good guy Thanos, Howard the Duck. What about uh, some uh, Novacore? The animation is amazing, and some of the likenesses, like Michael Rooker, are fantastic. With a PH. Can't wait to see what else the show has in store for us. Pete, that reminds me of a thought I had 
uh, both times viewing this episode, while I was critical of the animation style, the very kind of realistic animation style last week, I think it worked this week, or, or I didn't have those concerns. And I think that part of that is because you had so many characters who, at the very least, were not literally human, and in some cases, uh, like uh, Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight, were not even... I mean, they're vaguely humanoid, but were not humans with makeup on them. So I think it, I think it really worked this week. Yeah, no, I think uh, doubling down on the first appearance, I think it's less noticeable, particularly given this cast. Uh, we heard from Noel Gardner, that's at Noel Camille, uh, who of course in some places in the multiverse is also Captain Noel Gardner. Uh, episode one was a good intro, but this episode really showed us how far these can go. Two idiots making one mistake changed the whole universe. Good Thanos, Happy Nebula, Fanboy Korath, all great. Also, give me more Howard the Duck. <laughs> Hearing Chadwick's voice was emotional. Glad we'll get more. Um, we heard also from Ben Larson. That's at Larson Ben. The first episode was good, but this was worlds better. A lot of fun fan service, but it felt more like a complete story. It just wasn't. Uh, it wasn't just a retelling of Guardians with T'Challa instead of Peter. It took the story and the characters in a completely different direction. But what I really like is that this episode shows that it appears there is going to be a multi-episode plot to the series, if uh, if not just a series of one-offs. That end scene with Peter and Ego had me very excited for next week. So Pete, Ben taking. Uh, the complete opposite uh, direction uh, that you did on that on that Peter and Ego question. Ben wondering, will we get them as soon as next week? I don't think so. I mean, it's tantalizing to think that they could continue that. I, I think, all right, so let's talk Captain America and Captain Carter for a second. So we had the change, obviously, in last week's episode. Uh, now... Captain America's shield is in the collector's collection, different universes. Um, we know at some point there's going to be a Captain America, uh, Iron Man as zombies episode. So third universe, I think they're all disparate. They're all, you know, different. Uh, we go back to Twitter here, heard from Jared Showerman, that's uh, at the AV Seal, S-E-A-L. Uh, I wanted to like this episode, but I just thought it was silly. Good Thanos and Robin Hood Ravagers take away all the moral complexity that make those characters great. I kind of hated it, if I'm being honest. Ooh. Pete, honest words, uh, but direct ones, certainly. Uh, we heard from Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. I need to see that version of The Collector in uh, an MCU movie uh, form. Uh, form with a PH. <laughs> uh, initially, I didn't know what that word was. And I was like, right, it's the PH thing. Uh, also, Chadwick was awesome, and I love the story. His positive influence even changed Thanos' dark heart. Great story and a nice touch dedicating the episode to Mr. Bozeman. I mean, how can you not get to the end of that and and feel emotional um the the way that it begins to like obviously they had no idea what was going on with chad bozeman and what would ultimately happen but that korath fanboys over him as noel so eloquently put it and that that winds up being the legacy i mean it, it kind of feels like serendipity yeah yeah 
We heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln, that's at TessLC139. I really like what Marvel is giving us with this series. Episode 2 was a gem, and all because two idiot Ravagers snatched the wrong kid. What a great final story for Cha-Cha, and I love the takes on Thanos and Nebula. R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. Um, we heard as well from James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killin on Twitter. I chose the Titan in the vote uh, because seeing reformed Thanos was more fun than I expected. I just don't know how they packed so much fun in so little time. So there you go, Pete, part of that what-if aesthetic where it's <laughs> it's a whole movie in 30-some-odd minutes. Uh, we heard from Mimi uh, Andelman, who said, Technically speaking, the actors' voiceovers, to me, are a big problem. The pitch is high, at least on my home theater audio system, and no one sounds the same. Same as episode one, Peggy and uh, Bucky are so off. So, Pete, anything you're picking up there with your ears? Um, I'm not really. I mean, I think, again, having the likenesses, and sometimes it's a trick of the mind in terms of matching a voice and matching you know, the, the performance and, you know, the character, I thought that the tracks thing would bother me and it didn't. I know that I, when I watched the episode both times, I was, uh, I, I must confess, I did not have the name, uh, of actor John, uh, Connie who plays T'Chaka. I did not have that name on my, on my lips, but I, I was watched the episode two times and said, Oh, they mustn't have been able to get John Connie for this role. You know, I know he's a little, Later in life, hope hope everything's fine. No, Pete, it's John Connie. There he is, uh, voicing T'Chaka as he played him in in two MCU movies. So, as you say, Pete, whether it's a whether it's a a trick of the mind or whether it is as Mimi is saying, um, a, a, a mixing issue. You know, such things can happen. Uh, Pete, we end with AMC. That's at, it's not the movie theater. Uh, that's uh, Anne Coltonam who says, uh, loving the What If series so far. It was so much fun and a lovely farewell to Chadwick Boseman. It was so different from Black Panther and Guardians of the Galaxy, but showed us the same T'Challa spreading good deeds across the galaxy. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Fantastic geek. Pete, I will add to Anne's words. Um, while the end of this episode is a farewell to Chadwick Boseman, there's more uh, T'Challa Star-Lord in this season. That's my understanding, if only yeah. as, a, as a supporting character. Yes, there is more. So I guess how that fits into, because what we have, as you said, Pete, we have three, three largely distinct universes um, from these two episodes and the zombie episodes. So I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll keep a count. We'll, we'll have to keep a count how many episodes we're up to each week. So, um, Pete, this a this a hearty episode involving a collector uh, and Fred Tataskiuri. Can't wait to have a similar podcast tomorrow for our Lower Decks <laughs> podcast. And if you are a contributor to patreon.com slash fantastic geek, there's an entire collection for you to visit. Now, we can't guarantee that supporting us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek will give you abs like animated Tunnelier Tavon. <laughs> But we're also not saying that it won't. Um, I'm not quite sure how that would work. But Pete, you know, it's the multiverse, man. Anything can happen. So we remain proud to be listener supported over there on Patreon. And uh, having that team support us just means the world. The many worlds. You set the value 
that you place on the podcast, and that's a wonderful thing. I uh, can't contribute this month, and it takes just a dollar to get you behind that door. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a rating in seconds to this podcast, to any of our 20-plus feeds with the PH. So, Pete, how can people keep the MCU conversation going, particularly with so much up in the air, so much unknown, wondering when there'll be previews for things this winter and so forth? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,071 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with PH, all one word, like it today. Okay, so if you're just here for Marvel, if you're just here for What If, we'll be back same time next week on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, as well as our Lower Decks feed. We'll be doing Lower Decks. 202 tomorrow also i don't have the date in front of me i guess it's wednesday right on wednesday that's when there will be more um what do they call it disney galaxy star wars behind the scenes the mandalorian.com um, but there'll be more on that massive um season ender for the mandalorian which i assume we will be podcasting at some point second half of next week or into next weekend or something like that so if nothing else pete a reminder of it uh, it all ends up on that Pop Culture Podcast feed, whether we're talking Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek, or more. On that multiverse of multiverses, note Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Sometimes the best weapon in your arsenal is just a good argument. <laughs>